Have any of you ever experienced trouble? It's a joke, right? Everyone in here, as surely as we're breathing, we have experienced trouble in this life. We face difficulties. We face trials. Those trials come in many forms, don't they? They can be small. They can be little irritations of life, like something just not working the way it's supposed to work, like my Kindle. My Kindle is like a really expensive brick right now, not doing what it's supposed to be doing. That's an irritation. A flat tire, that's an irritation. Uh, Something breaking down on your car. Just being sick, feeling lousy for a couple of days. But there are also big ones, too. There are uh, devastating news of a serious illness, the loss of a loved one, significant financial loss, devastation. Trouble can come in all kinds of forms. Just this week, I was reading an article in World Magazine, and it was giving a very personal look from one person's perspective of the whole immigration issue. And it just reminded me that the immigration issue is a very complex subject. It's a very complex subject. There are no easy solutions. This particular individual that this article was describing his situation, he has been in the United States his whole life. He is of Mexican descent, but he's never lived in Mexico, at least since he was two or three years old. And now he's in his 40s. And this story was describing how through a bad choice of his, he was sent to prison. And because he committed a crime, he lost his legal status, his his permanent residency, which was granted to him under the Ronald Reagan administration. So that's how long ago he was given permanent legal status in the United States, but because of his crime, he lost that, was sent out of the United States, dumped off in Tijuana, Mexico, and forbidden from returning back to the United States for 10 years. You say, well, yeah, he's going back home to Mexico. No, the United States is his home. He's really never been in Mexico ever since he was a small child, and they just dump him off in Tijuana, Mexico, and he has nothing. So what does he do? That's trouble right? That's trouble. That's hardship. But he found someone who took him in, someone who runs a ministry, someone who runs a nonprofit ministry organization that helps deportees who are just being dumped off in Tijuana, Mexico, and gives them a change of clothes, gives them some references, gives them a job sometimes. And so this man found a job. But sometimes I don't think we really know what trouble is. That's trouble. But trouble comes in various kinds of sizes and various shapes, various forms. In Psalm 62, the psalmist, David, is dealing with trouble. He's dealing with difficulties. And his solution to those problems is to trust in the Lord. It's very simply that, to trust in God. Psalm 62 is a psalm of trust. And he is encouraging himself, exhorting himself, but also encouraging and exhorting us to put our trust in God as well. 
And so read with me, follow along as I read Psalm 62, and we'll see what David has to teach us this morning. Psalm 62 says, Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from Him. Truly He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. How long will you assault me? Would all of you throw me down? This leaning wall, this tottering fence? Surely they intend to topple me from my lofty place. They take delight in lies. With their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. Yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from Him. Truly He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in Him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to Him, for God is our refuge. Surely the lowborn are but a breath. The highborn are but a lie. If weighed on a balance, they are nothing. Together they are only a breath. Do not trust in extortion or put vain hope in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. One thing God has spoken, two things I have heard. Power belongs to you, God, and with you, Lord, is unfailing love. And you reward everyone according to what they have done. Let's bow in prayer together. Father, our God, our rock, and our refuge. May we find hope. May we find rest. May we find peace in you. God, may your word today teach us to trust you. Teach us to depend on you in all situations of life. And may we find the rest that only you can provide. We pray this all in the name of Christ. Amen. In the first few verses of this psalm, we learn that resting in God should be the normal orientation of our lives as God's people. Trusting in God, resting in God, should be the normal orientation of our lives as God's people. So regardless of what the circumstances, whether we're up or whether we're down, whether it's just a normal week or whether it's a hectic, chaotic, tragic week, whatever's going on in our lives, our normal orientation, our normal way of looking at life is to find our soul's rest, peace, calmness in God. What does it mean to find rest in God? The word that is translated here, rest, in verse number one, is only found four times in the entire Bible, and all four of those are found in the book of Psalms. The idea of the word seems to be something along the lines of silence, of waiting, or of resting with a, a calmness. And depending on the context, one of those various nuances might be more emphasized than the other. We see in one place where it, it simply means to be silent. Here, the emphasis seems to be on the idea of rest or of calmness. Resting is essentially a ceasing, isn't it? Resting is a ceasing. It's a stopping. For example, we read in the opening work of creation 
that for six days God created the world, but then on the seventh day he rested, right? Because he stopped his creative work. It's a, it's a cessation, a ceasing of something. What is it a ceasing of? What is, a, what is it a resting from? Normally we think of rest from work, right? So rest from work. And what this verse is teaching us is that in order to find our peace, in order to find calmness, in order to find safety, we can't work for it. We just have to rest in God. So we need to rest from our work, from our laborious quest to find rest and security in our own strength. We can't do it. So rest in God. But resting can also be a ceasing or a stopping from anxiety. And I think the psalmist is wanting us to do that here as well. Stop working laboriously trying to find your own peace and rest and security, but also just stop worrying. Stop being anxious over everything. Anxiety is basically the worry and the concern about the what ifs. The what ifs that pervade our thinking day in and day out. So he's telling us to rest from that, to stop the anxiety. He's also telling us to stop the fear. We can rest from fear. The fear of the unknown or the fear of events or circumstances, the fear of people, fear of the future. So he's telling us to just rest, to be calm. And to find that rest and to find that calmness in God. So finding rest in God means that we need to stop from working and and being worrisome and being fearful. And it also means that we need to stop looking for rest in all the wrong places. Our soul finding rest in God means that we need to find rest in Him and Him alone and not look for it in all the wrong places. So where, where could we be tempted to find rest, to find calmness, peace in our lives? Well, we might seek it in our own abilities, in our own ability to handle whatever situation comes our way. We might have a sense of pride about us, thinking that, you know, I'm tough, I've got a strong will, I've got tough skin, whatever happens, whatever comes my way, I can handle that. I've got a lot of experiences under my belt, or I've got a lot of skills. I've got some know-how. Whatever happens, I can deal with it. But the psalmist doesn't tell us to find our rest in us, in our abilities. He tells us to find our rest in God. Don't find it in your own resources, or your possessions, or your wealth. You might be tempted to think, well, I've got a good nest egg stored up. I've been saving. I've been you know, putting things away. I've got a good job. I've got some good job security. I've got some money in the bank. And so if something were to happen, I can rest that knowing that I have something to fall back on. But he doesn't tell us to rest in our riches or in what we've saved up. He tells us to rest in God. Oftentimes in our world today, people try to find rest in the world's numbing devices. What do I mean by that? Our world has lots of ways for us to numb ourselves and to try to find some rest or some calmness in the midst of this chaotic world. Whether it be intoxicating substances, alcohol or drugs, or never-ending mindless entertainment, 
just binge watching Netflix show after Netflix show or always on our phone playing games, whatever it is. We just sometimes our world's way of finding rest or calmness is just not think about it by putting our mind into a state of uh, like a, a an awake coma of just playing these mindless things or watching these mindless things. So we get our minds off of other things. God doesn't tell us to find our rest in that. He tells us to find our rest in God. Our world looks for rest or calmness in hedonism, the endless pursuit of joy and satisfaction through the indulgence of personal appetites and desires. I'll find rest in that. I'll just go seeking after my pleasures. Well, the writer of Ecclesiastes tells us that's a lost cause, isn't it? You go running after your pleasures, you're not going to find meaning. You're not going to find true rest. All of these different places where we look for rest, they're going to fail us. So he says, go to God and God alone. That's where your soul will really find rest. Finding rest in God means that we go to him and him alone for our soul's peace, calmness, tranquility, meaning, and fulfillment. And that only comes through complete trust in God, doesn't it? If you're going to find your complete meaning and rest and security in God, that means you've got to trust Him. You've got to completely depend upon Him. We find real rest through, our, through finding our meaning and purpose in our relationship to our Creator. We find rest through the work of Jesus Christ for us. Matthew 11 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We can find rest in God, true rest. But what happens when trouble comes? Finding rest in God should be the normal orientation of our lives as God's people. But what happens when trouble comes? That's where verses 3 and 4 come in. Because 3 and 4 describe David's trouble that he's dealing with. He says, how long will you assault me? Would all of you throw me down this leaning wall, this tottering fence? The psalm never tells us who he's talking about. The you there is just kind of generic. He doesn't identify them. But there's some enemies of David, and apparently they want his downfall. They're trying to push him over like a wall, like a fence. They're trying to bring him down. Verse 4, he says, Surely they intend to topple me from my lofty place. They take delight in lies. With their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. In other words, these enemies of David are the two-faced kind. Maybe they were at one point his allies, his friends, his associates, his advisors in his kingdom, but now they've turned on him. And now they're seeking his undoing. Now they're seeking to topple him. And yet the whole time they're putting up the front like they're still on his side. So with their mouths, they continue to bless him. David, you're doing a great job. You're a great king. Keep doing what you're doing, David. And behind the scenes and in their hearts, they're devising schemes to throw him over and to crush him. 
And David knows about it. He's learned about it. And he's crying out to God. Now, our situation may not be like David's. We may not have enemies who are trying to bring our ruin, our downfall. But we have all all sorts of problems and troubles in our life. What do we do when they face us? What do we do? Verse 5, we do the same thing that we should always be doing back in verse 1. In verse 1, he says, truly my soul finds rest in God. That's a statement. That's in the indicative form. That's just, this is what is. My soul is finding rest in God. But notice verse 5. Verse 5 essentially says the same thing, but now in stronger terms. Now instead of just making a statement, an indicative statement, now it's in an imperative form, like a command. Essentially, in verse 5, David is preaching to himself to continue to trust in God. So what do we do when trouble strikes? We preach to ourselves. And we remind ourselves and others that true rest, true peace comes from God. I'm not the only preacher that you should have. Now, understand what I'm saying. You should be preaching to yourself with the word of God that you read, with the word of God that you meditate on, with the word of God that you've hidden in your heart. You should be preaching to yourself. We all have that voice in our minds, don't we? Some of us may speak it out loud, talk to ourselves out loud. But some of, we have that voice in our minds where we talk to ourselves and we, we feed ourselves messages all the time. The person who talks to you the most is you. What are you saying to yourself? Are you saying to yourselves thoughts of worry, of anxiety, of fear? Are you, are you saying to yourselves words of self-confidence of, hey, I, I got this, I can handle this? Or are you saying to yourself words that come from scripture that are, my, my rest is really in God. My security is in God. My refuge is in God. That's what you need to be preaching to yourself in the midst of trouble. And so preach to yourself, remind yourself and others to continue to trust in God. So that should be our normal default orientation. But when trouble strikes, we might be tempted to leave that, to forget that, to fall into other patterns of self-trust or of anxiety or of worry. And David is saying, no, preach to yourself, remind yourself to continue to abide in God. One commentator talking about verse number five says this, the hope in the Lord receives its proper focus because of the underlying faith in God, who can protect and defend his own. Faith is the antidote to despair. Faith is the antidote to despair. Silence in the presence of the Lord will speed God's deliverance. And then he quotes from John Calvin, who says this, Never, as if he had said, will he frustrate the patient waiting of his saints. Doubtless my silence shall meet with its reward. 
I shall restrain myself and not make that false haste, which will only retard or slow down my deliverance. In other words, if you want rescue faster, then be silent and be calm and rest in God. Because that's where our hope comes from. He is our rock and our salvation. So at all times, but especially when we face troubles, remind yourself to continue to trust in God. Why? Because human strength will surely let you down. Verses 9 and 10. Human strength will let you down. He says in verse 9, Surely the lowborn are but a breath, the highborn are but a lie. If weighed on a balance, they are nothing. Together, they are only a breath. What is he saying in verse 9? He's saying that regardless of who you are as a human being, whether you're someone of standing or whether you're someone who is poor, death is the equalizer of all, isn't it? And what he's saying is whether you're somebody or whether you're nobody, it doesn't matter. When weighed on the scale, we're all basically weightless. We're all just a breath. We're here today, gone tomorrow. Life is a vapor. So don't put your hope in man. Don't put your hope in yourself or others because ultimately we are frail and we are finite. We're temporary and we will fail ourselves and others will fail us and we will fail others. Verse 10, don't put your trust in extortion or put vain in stolen goods. Surely in times of trouble, don't turn to evil to solve your problems. Don't turn to crooked means to solve your, your, your solution or to be your solution. He says, though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. Don't trust in man. He's finite. He's frail. Don't trust in riches. They'll let you down. They'll fail you. So remind yourself to trust in God because trusting in human strength will surely let you down. But he closes in verses 11 and 12 by finishing where he started. Trusting in the powerful, loving, and just Lord will never fail you. So verses 9 and 10, trusting in human strength, that will let you down. But verses 11 and 12, trusting in the powerful Lord, that will never let you down. That will never fail you. And so he finishes the psalm in verse 11 by saying, One thing God has spoken, two things I have heard. This is a normal poetic device in which the psalmist or a poet, we see this in Proverbs as well, where he will provide a list where he'll say, One thing I've learned. No, actually two things. Or three things I've learned. No, four things. It's a poetic device. And he draws our attention to these two things that he wants us to focus on. The first of those is that God is powerful. God is powerful. He says, power belongs to you, God. And when I make that statement, God is powerful. It's almost as if that statement doesn't register to us because we've heard it so often, right? It's just a normal, common statement to make if you're a Christian. God is powerful. It's almost self-evident. It's like saying the sky is blue, the world is round. God is powerful. But there are times when we need to stop and think about what that statement means. 
and how it applies to our lives. That God is just, just not generically powerful, but he is powerful in the very situation with which you are concerned. And he is fully aware of that situation. He is already at work in that situation. Even before you call out to him, he's already at work. He's already moving behind the scenes. Power belongs to you, God. Meaning, don't trust in human strength, don't trust in anything else. The ultimate power, the real source of refuge is in God, the omnipotent and mighty creator. And then in verse 12, he says, and with you, Lord, is unfailing love. This is the the Hebrew word chesed that we see countless times throughout the Old Testament. And it's always used in the context of God's covenant relationship with his people. It can take on many different nuances. It's the idea of loyal faithfulness. It's the idea of never-ending love. It's the idea of mercy shown to those who are sinful, to those who need picking up. It is a broad word that really just is all-encompassing of God's grace toward his people. With you, Lord, is unfailing love. Isn't that a great combination? When you take all power and then love and concern, and you put those together for God's people. That's what he's doing in verses 11 and 12. All power, nothing too hard for the Lord, and He loves his people and he doesn't let them down. And you put those two things together and that is a great incentive to remind us to rest, to trust in God. And you reward everyone according to what they have done. What is this last statement? But a reminder of the justice of God. A reminder of the justice of God Going back to verses 3 and 4, what was he dealing with? He was dealing with enemies that were seeking his undoing. He was dealing with two-faced, hypocritical, lying enemies who wanted to hurt him and destroy him. And in essence, in this last statement, David is saying, God, I know you know what's going on. I know you know what's going on, and vengeance is yours, Lord. Because I know, I trust that you'll reward each person according to what they've done. He leaves the justice, the vengeance part of it, to God. Knowing that if these people that are troubling him are in violation of God's will and God's commands, that God, in his time, in his righteousness and justice, will deal with them. David just needs to continue to trust. Just keep trusting, keep resting, finding your calmness, your sense of peace and security in God. It's hard to rest, isn't it? It's hard to rest. We feel like we need to be active doing something. We need to, we need to figure out the solution to the problem. We need to you know, go here or go there. And I, if, we, if I just do this and that, I think I can figure this out. And this psalm is encouraging us to wait and to trust, and to be calm. It's almost like someone who is tensed up, and their muscles are all tense, and you just say, relax. Sometimes that's hard to do, right? Just relax. Relax every muscle in your body. 
I use this as an illustration. Hopefully I won't embarrass her, but my daughter, Lily, sometimes I'll do that with her. Like she's, something's hurting and I'll say, well, let me check it out. Okay. Relax your foot. And it's like, she can't do it. It's like, I I, I want to, I want to just move her foot around freely so I can look at it. And it's like stiff. It just relax. it. That's how we are oftentimes in our lives. When we face trouble, it's like, we're just, you know, we stiffen up. We, we get worried. We get concerned. We get, you know, how are we going to figure this out? We got to, we got to do this. And this Psalm is telling us, relax, trust, find your calmness in God. At all times, but especially in times of trouble, find rest for your anxious soul in the Lord, because he and he alone is the only reliable source of peace and safety. Let's bow in prayer together. Our Father, we thank you that you have given us a sure foundation to stand on. We can lean on you, Father, because you are ever strong, you are ever faithful. You will never fall, you will never fail us. So, Father, may we orient our lives every day in all circumstances of life. May we orient our lives around you, depending on your strength and your wisdom for our daily activities, trusting in you for our job, trusting in you with our families, trusting in you with our very souls. May that be our daily mindset. And Lord, especially in times of trouble, when we face challenges and difficulties, Lord, spur us, remind us to preach to ourselves that we need to continue to trust in you. Father, thank you for being such a reliable and sure refuge. May we find rest and peace in you. And we pray this in the name of Christ. Amen.